Treating your need for healthcare news, we are NHE. News, views and insider truths from the heart of the healthcare sector. We are the NHE team. I'm Emily. I'm Matt. I'm Ilsa. And each episode, we will connect you to the people behind the UK health sector, sharing insights and innovation. This podcast is brought to you by Evo North. Uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations and build a stronger northern powerhouse together. Welcome back to the uh, the NHE podcast. We're on episode five, flying through them recently. Um, on the sofa today, we actually have uh, Stuart Lewis, uh, strategic lead for Mind in Greater Manchester. Uh, so thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. It's nice to be here. Right. And obviously in hosting, as my accent gives away. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm joined by Emily on the sofa. Hello. Um, so we'll dive straight into it. Um, I know in the preamble you explain a little bit about it, but uh, you're a cycling man, you're all over Manchester. Can you talk about what you do? Yeah, um, basically my role is to represent mind here in Greater Manchester. So as we Mancunians always like to say, Manchester is different. And when we actually talk about health and in fact health and politics, Manchester is different. Manchester has actually two devolutions going on at exactly the same time. It has a health devolution and it has an economic, uh, political devolution. Uh, In terms of the health thing, that basically means that decisions around health spend and decisions around where the priorities are, are made here in Greater Manchester. And over you know the decades since the evolution of the NHS, there's been a lot of talk about a bed pattern falls in Newcastle and you can hear it in Whitehall. Actually, this is the first time that that connection has been broken. Yeah. And actually, you've got a independent, devolved health system. There are those who will say, well, you've just basically built a Department for Health in Greater Manchester. But yeah. actually, what we've built is a system there. Mind were very aware of that and felt that they were doing lots of work to influence the um, you know, five, the five-year forward view of mental health and basically the 10-year plan and all the other great NHS sort of documents. Yeah. And they were getting stuff in there. But then when it came to Manchester, they didn't have the ability to then influence how they landed on the ground. And then they decided to basically have a strategic role based, which is mine. So I cover the whole of Greater Manchester and my role is to influence and support uh, the decisions made round health specifically in terms of mental health across Greater Manchester and also to walk to work across Greater Manchester to essentially deliver Mind's vision which is basically a world where um, sort of nobody with a mental health condition is alone, nobody with a mental health condition doesn't get the support they need and actually a person with a mental health condition is treated with the respect and support they need. And part of that is changing the views that people have on mental health. So a lot of my job is going and challenging myths and challenging ideologies that society as a whole holds around mental health. Yeah, um, that's, sorry. Or sort of to Mm. go on that a little Mm. bit as well, Mm. I imagine, obviously, as you mentioned, we have a health devolution Mm. here. I imagine your role also has quite a bit of a partnership um, working with the likes of GMCA and such. Yep. I know in our sister brand's mm. PSE podcast mm. recently, we had Eamon and Andrew yes. Lightfoot talking about yep. their side of it. Mm. I imagine yourself see mm. the health side of that. Mm. Definitely. So, you know, for those who don't know, then you have the GMCA, which is the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, which is there, and then you have the Health and Social Care Partnership. Mm. And, that, and they work concurrently, but 
they are separate and I think that's one of the clear things so John Rouse who has just you know departed us for uh, some passages new i.e. Stoke you know he he led the health and social care partnership Eamon led the um, the combined authority they work together but they are two separate entities and the bit that I'm very involved in is looking at the work that the Health and Social Care Partnership are doing around, they, they have a mental health strategy, which I've been very involved in sort of uh, working on. In fact, I was at a meeting yesterday looking at the refresh of it. I'm involved in that, but also for me, it's a wider thing about the way that they view mental health, the way that yeah. mental health is viewed by the health system, but also most importantly by the people within the health system. And actually, that's a really important thing. So it's about the whole thing around the parity of esteem, you know, sort of, you know, around mental health, the fact that mental health money is still not ring-fenced, the fact that sort of uh, look at where the investment is, but also looking at issues that uh, Greater Manchester Mental Health, they will work with around 4% of their population. Yet we know from research that mine has done that, th- that a quarter of people are experiencing some form of mental health condition. So yeah. it's about that 21%. And it's really changing also those very medical views of mental health. So one of the visions and one of the, I would say, sort of aims of mind is that to try and move in that much more social view of mental health. So move mental health from a much more medical, clinical view to a much more social view. Brilliant. So NHS Scotland mm. re- recently published a study on mm. the well-being of teachers. Mm. Um, they analysed several techniques and used to deal with stress in the workplace. Do you think workplace stress is somewhat disregarded as a mental health, mental health concern? It depends when you then start talking about the formal and the informal definitions of it. And also for me, it's about actually that term mental health. The biggest issue we have with mental health is we stick to the word illness. Mm-hmm. after it we talk about mental health illness mm-hmm. yeah. actually we all have mental health in the same way we all have physical health if we didn't have mental health frankly we would be dead because basically that means our brain wouldn't be yeah. operating so actually we all have mental health and in the same way we all have physical health um, you know so before I'm a cycling man I, I physical health. there are days I feel yay I'm going to jump on my bike we're going to cycle to work I'm brilliant I'm feeling great and there's days I get out of bed thinking oh, I feel dreadful mm-hmm. my yeah. arm aches or you know I'm feeling a bit I'm not great the truth is with mental health, you have the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's You have days, yeah, exactly. You have days where you feel that you can take on the world and that you're Leonardo DiCaprio stood on the, the bow of the Titanic and this is it. And there are days you feel like Leonardo DiCaprio hanging onto that piece of wood, wonder why Kate won't bloody let you on it, and sat there freezing to I death. I love that analogy. And, that's, you know, and that is normal. And that's the point of it. You know, that is normal. So you talk about stress of teachers. Actually, work stress is normal. And by normalising that, a lot of more, a lot of yes. people are identifying more with the idea of mental health. Definitely. But that's also yeah. led to the diagnosis of mm. mental health going up. Yes. Do you think that it has actually gone up, or maybe people are just more aware of it? People now? are more aware. You know, from my, my personal view, my personal view, more aware. I think mental health is about a hundred years behind physical health. Yeah. So a hundred years ago, we started moving from you just being ill, and basically then dead or ill and better. So actually having different diseases, oh, that's heart disease, that's this, that's that, that's that. And you suddenly started having this revolution. And it happened around the same time as the First World War and stuff, and and more where people have actually had opportunities for medicine. Um, Before, basically, being able to get a doctor was the reserve of the rich 
and basically the, the wealthy and the land deed and stuff. And actually, if you were a common or government person like us, actually you got ill and either you got be better than sort of naturally, we died. Yeah. Never divided into categories. And then round about the start of the 20th century, we started understanding a lot of different things. Mental health is at the same space. So even like 20 years ago, you know, you talked about depression, you talked about this, and it was actually the very, very massive, big sort of things. You shove things, you got depressed, you got psychosis. Actually, we've now started understanding the nuances yeah. of it. And we've started understanding all the different parts of it. And what may be before all that, oh, he's, he's, he's just a bit strange. Actually, now, so no, 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 that's, that's this, and that's that, and that's this. Yeah, and it's that. not black and white as well. It's not black and white at all. You know, we're talking, this is the thing with mental health, we're talking about an area as big as physical health. Yeah. So we wouldn't actually be talking with physical health in such great, you know, sort of sweeping statements. Because physical health goes from the cold over there to terminal cancer on the, yeah. the other side. Mm -hmm. Huge thing. The two actually have very little to do with each other, and you wouldn't equate the two. Yeah. And the same way with mental health, we go from basically depression, anxiety, those sorts of, you know, those, I hate to use the word milder because people then think, you know, I'm, un, I'm disregarding what they think, you know. Yeah. As we all know, we can have a cold and the flu and it's horrible. Mm -hmm. More know, common, a, maybe. Maybe yeah. not milder, but more yeah, common. Yeah, definitely. That's a lot, a lot better, a lot better sort of um, thing than, than I would use. And, you know, sort of, and, you know, we, we can have illnesses and they're really horrible. You know, I've had flu where I was laying in bed thinking, I'm never going to be able to move again. You know, I'm mad. So I'm sat there, you know, sort of, you know, dying, watching some of the homes and, you know, homes and the hammer, thinking that's it. You know, this is the end of society. Um, and then you get better. The issue with mental health is is actually that understanding of things get better. You know, one of my favourite statistics is the fact that 67% of people who experience mental health condition or illness today won't have it next year. Mm. Wow. It's not a life sentence. It's yeah. not something that most people's experience of depression and anxiety are things that are transient. Mm -hmm. They move, they change, they get better. Or they are conditions that you live with. And actually yeah. that's things like, you know, sort of clinical depression, which is different from being depressed in the same way that having the flu is different from having influenza. Mm -hmm. You know, the flu essentially just is a vicious cold. Influenza kills you. Yeah. Yeah. And... And the same thing, so you people there, you know, one of my favourite people who talks on this is a doctor um, over at, up at Sellafield who has a basic clinical depression. And he just talks about it, it's just, it's just as in it's just there. Matter of fact. Yeah, it's there. It's part of who he is. It's one of the things that makes up his psyche. And he says, actually, his achievement is getting out of bed each morning. Yeah. That is his achievement. And then, then he goes off and basically deals with nuclear waste and what we're doing with it and stuff like that. And he talks about, you know, for me it's really interesting because for me he doesn't talk about boom and bust. So there are many people who talk about having had a mental health breakdown and then coming back up again and da da da. Yeah. He actually talks about it as just as this linear thing. It's just there. He doesn't go up, doesn't go down. It's just there. And he's learned to manage it in the same way a person with a heart condition learned to manage it. You know, there were people in your office here who are diabetic, people in the office here who have heart condition, people here who will have medical conditions that you learn to manage. live with mm. yeah you know it's the fact that you know cancer you, when i was growing up you know, and i'm old you know sort of cancer killed you yeah you got cancer the likelihood is you died actually we now live in a society where there are millions of cancer survivors cancer yeah. is not a life sentence cancer is something that you will fight and then you can win and you come out yeah. and mental health is exactly the same yeah and as you sort of say there it's maybe 
getting that narrative that there doesn't have to be this big huge victory at the end yeah. of it you yeah. know what it's as you said with the doctor yeah. himself yeah. Yeah. it's those yeah. little day-to-day life things mm. And I think in the news recently, we're seeing increasingly sort of a focus on that being around a rather vulnerable group mm. for that, which is students in mm. university. Mm. Um, we're seeing a big push towards that. Mm. Um, sort of obviously Manchester as an area has quite a significant student population. Yes. I imagine in your role in mind stuff, that is something that's becoming increasingly a, a sort of bit of liaising with them, understanding how we treat that sort of... Well, well certainly, well, the, basically Greater Manchester Mental Health, Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership actually has a specific university piece of work yeah. that it does, which is basically about providing additional support. Uh, but I think the first thing for me is going back to, and I'm a bit of a broken record on this, is almost that understanding of yeah. mental health. The understanding of it is normal to feel not normal it is normal not to feel there you know for me the thing with mental health and you know a lot of stuff that we do when working with universities and talk about saying you know this is about actually first of all creating a an environment where it's okay to be weak it's okay to not have it not be feeling champion all the time it's okay to talk about how you're feeling and the analogy for me is you know it's imagine a world where you couldn't talk about having a cold you know you had to hide away you know being a cold having a cold was seen as something wrong so you had to hide away you would have people who basically would be ending up developing sort of a hypothermia and you know sort of who'd be you know who'd be end up developing a chest infection chest infections and other levels of things because they weren't dealing with that bit yeah. there they weren't saying right tell you what i'm going to take a couple of days i'm going to go home there and actually for me it's about creating an environment where we can own and talk about how we are feeling once you do that so a lot of the conversations that we're having with universities and, and all other things is actually, you know, this whole talking thing. But actually, the most important thing there is also the listening. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we as a society, we don't listen. You know, you think about just how we interact with people. We, we are doing one of three things when we listen. We are either working out what we can say next, which is going to be better than what the person's telling you at the present moment, you know, what story that yeah. you've got there. Or we're working out what we're going to have for our tea, or basically what's in there. Or basically working out how the hell we get out of this conversation, and you know where we, how, where we end this. We don't listen. And I think the big thing for me in terms of the work that we do with universities and workplaces and the stress they're saying, you don't have to be qualified to listen to anybody. You don't have to, yeah. have to have any level of qualification. You don't have to have any level of training. What you need to do is just listen. People don't want you to solve their problems. Yeah. They just want you to listen to this. And this is one of the, you know, the big thing we get again and again and again. again. What do I say? Don't I say yeah. anything? No. Yeah, it, it, it's not what you say that's important. It's sort of taking that in. Like you, like you say, it's, it's not a trained skill no. and a, a magic yeah. wand that you need. No. It's actually using the skills we all have. Definitely. You know, you don't need to be a counsellor. You know, people say, oh, we're not doing this qualification or that qualification. Or we're going to train people up at mental health first aid. You know, mental health first aid is great. But actually, it's a bit like saying, well, how are we going to deal with accidents in the workplace? We'll tell you what, we're going to train lots and lots of first aiders. That's how we're going to deal with accidents in the workplace. And you hope that stops people falling over or falling off cranes and stuff like that by the fact that we've got loads of first aiders. Actually, it's about making people understand mental health and understand what it actually is. And the fact that it is, you know, as you said earlier, a whole cacophony of different conditions, illnesses, um, issues, and actually some of them are connected some of them develop because of 
uh, you know, sort of either childhood adversity or basically experiences in the same way that illnesses develop because, you know, you go out in this horrific weather we've got in front of us or behind us at the present moment, you go out in that <laughs> with that shirt on, you're going to get ill. You know, you're, gonna, you know you, you're not going to get well. But there are some conditions which just appear. We have no understanding. There are some you know, conditions or some things around bipolar and some sort of thing where actually they appear and they appear and we do, we do not know what it is causing it. The impact that they have on people sometimes is different because of differing social and economic issues. You know, we know that um, young black men suffer more from psychosis or at least when they receive a psychosis diagnosis, they struggle more to get the support that they need. Round it, you know, we, we know around that, we know people in poor housing are more likely to develop mental health conditions. In the same way, people in poor housing are more likely to develop physical health conditions. You know, there are those sorts of things that we know, but there are also other conditions that just we have no understanding in the same way that we don't know why someone suddenly develops some forms of cancer. We have no idea why some people suddenly develop heart conditions. Mm. Yeah, that, happen. I suppose that is very much down to just a case of the research is ongoing. It, mm. it takes a long time to understand mm. these. Mm. And as we talked earlier mm. on the show, mm mental health is quite a way behind physical yes. health yeah. if you look back 20 years or so in physical health mm. there's plenty of conditions we now know the cause for exactly. that we didn't then yes quite a lot of what i feel like you're saying as well is about preventative yes. kind of measures so yes. before it gets to a really big issue yes. you if people are more aware it's not going to need mm. to get to that point definitely and i think you know there are there are those who will need you know hospitalization there will those who will need mental health trust but as i said mental health trust deal with about four percent of the population mm. Actually, you know, the you know, in the same way that we know with plenty of physical, and I know I keep using those the thing, but actually we find it really useful because we understand yeah. physical. You know, we've had we've had it around for decades, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years. We actually understand physical health. We and understand. Seems to be absolutely no shame around physical. No, no. Yeah. You know, if you break a leg, nobody's yeah. like, oh. Exactly. What well, we're men, we, we 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 basically sort of we 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 basically sort of we wear. Having you know illnesses on our on thing you know yeah. maybe oh I've got a tear here I've got a scar here and I've broken my leg yeah. three times and I basically you know I've, I've got really ill you know we we never we never yeah we're right we're yeah. we're either okay or we're really ill we wear that you know like like a like a basically sort of like a medal yeah yeah I, I, it always rings back to me to the um the sort of football analogy mm. that you always have your tough tackling player mm. who mm. oh he plays on with injuries but actually. <laughs> So plastically has mental health problems yeah. it's like oh yeah they, they shouldn't take some time exactly and, and, that, and that's a beautiful point beautiful beautiful point. because actually there are plenty of people they will be you know out there in manchester you know we're sat in a really nice sort of you know sort of window here overlooking you know the beauty that is grandmas there there will be thousands and thousands of people out there in those offices we can see at the present moment who have mental health conditions yeah. and that's not a bad thing no yeah that's just normal. In the same way, there are thousands, thousands of people out there who've got colds, who are battling cancer, who basically sort of have been a broken leg, who basically have heart conditions, who have diabetes, who have you know autism, who have learning you know who have, have have learning impairments. And actually, that's the beauty of it because one of the big things with mental health it doesn't define who you are. You know, it is one bit of who you are. And I think that the thing about the football is a really, really beautiful thing of it. Actually, this is about understanding. And owning it it's also about knowing when to ask for help and when to basically carry on and also knowing when you ask for help that isn't the end of it you know yeah. it's about living with it you know the people I know who live with conditions and live with mental health illnesses they've learned their ways of coping with it you know so they've learned their ways 
of dealing with it and they've learned you know actually how to manage it they've learned there were some days that they will not be 100 percent there are some days they will be 75 yeah. percent there are some days they will be 50 percent but they've actually learned how what their coping mechanisms and the structures are and that's how and that's what that whole thing we're talking about prevention prevention thing for me isn't just about how you basically stop people getting mental health conditions in the first place mm. prevention is about actually how you manage it because actually if you do that you are less likely for it to develop and become worse you are less likely for it to become severe you are less likely to develop into another form of condition and that's exactly the same thing with physical health and it's just about understanding that and it's also about understanding even when you have a mental health condition actually staying mentally well is a really good way of managing it mm-hmm. you know we don't yeah. suddenly stop drinking vitamin c when we become ill that's it i'm ill now don't need more <laughs> vitamin c you know yeah. we actually guzzle them and stuff mm-hmm. you know i have plenty of people who have health conditions who manage those health conditions by staying active by staying physically healthy that's how yeah. they manage their conditions and that's exactly the same truth with it and that prevention thing so for me runs through it you know the prevention thing but it's also then to, it's prevention and then balancing that with access so it's making sure that we support people to manage their conditions, but we also ensure that when people need help, that access is there. Yeah, one thing that I find particularly interesting is the idea around social media and mm. mental health, mm. because there's kind of two sides of the coin with this, because a lot of people will attribute m- mental health issues with the pressures yep. that come with social yep. media, and the rise of this. But mm. then on the other side, it's also connecting people with... Mm. You know, sharing yeah. stories and talking yeah. to other people in the same position. What what would your take on that be? I think my take is very very similar, um, and I think my take is we are still infants with social media. This yeah. is blown. You know, we, we are living in the second great um, basic communication revolution. Mm-hmm. The first great communication revolution was the uh, the Guggenheim by press when that was created. You know, sort of three four hundred years ago. That was the first yeah. cultural revolution. This is some of the second cultural revolution. The fact that we can publish anything from anywhere from basically a small device yeah, yeah. and that it. that is a and that is a that is a revolution as big as the printing press mm. yeah. you know i i do music journalism i'm not paid for it i basically go and see gigs and i write about it mm-hmm. i could have never dreamt of that when i was basically 15 and reading yeah. kerrang and all the <laughs> magazines when i was a kid and you know watching all that i you know the journalists with some of that that was a forbidden thing to me that was i mean, suddenly now with the invention of this I can go and see a gig, I can write down that, and I can send it out there, and thousands of people saying Peru, and they will read it. Yeah. And that's the thing, we're still understanding this. So I, my view on it is, it, it's about how we use it, and it can be a force for good, because it connects. Yeah. yeah. I also think there is a generational thing on this there, you know, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm probably going to come across as deeply patronising, and I do apologise. I think there is a generational thing. Yeah. My generation, so I'm 47, my generation still don't quite understand it. We're meddling with it, we're playing with it, you know, sort of we're connecting into it, but we still don't understand it. And I think a lot of those who pointed it as it, oh, it's bad and it's negative, actually aren't the ones in the middle of it, you know. Mm. My, yeah. my, my son is, is 22 and he has such different relationship yeah. with it and I think we can also balance that with I think mental health and the understanding of mental health there is such a different view of that within the younger generation within you know my son's generation that you know sort of that millennial and you know I think understand mental health a lot more 
yeah. actually it's becoming normalised. Which gives you hope for the future. Oh, yeah, huge hope. Future huge generations, hope. it's just going to be like more like physical health. Oh, definitely, huge, huge. And I think that connects in with the fact with social media. Mm. You know, social media just is part of, you know, my, my you know, sort of, the, it is just a part of my son's well, I remember sending my first email. I can, mm-hmm. you know, I remember going on the internet for the first time, and I was, you know, I, I was in my early twenties. Yeah. Now suddenly, you know, my my younger children are never going to imagine a world without, without it. Yeah. And actually, so it's becoming that that the point for me was it's actually becoming part of it. How you then manage it, and in the same way that we had to manage when somebody cars arrived. You know, okay. you used to have people who would walk in front of cars with a red flag, so people didn't walk in the middle of it yeah. and then we learnt and we learnt and we now got in our psyche that basically you don't have someone to say don't walk into the road we know that yeah, we don't yeah. walk into the road we know just absolutely it's because embedded. exactly mm-hmm. and I think that thing with social media how we deal with it and, and how we how it affects our mental health we will evolve we will work out actually how we deal with it at the present moment I do think we're at the sharp end because we're still getting used to that suddenly you know suddenly we can sit there and we can get all the envy in the world because whereas before we were just envious of the person we knew next door to us and envious of the person that you know we saw at school we can now see everybody yeah they, we, we got access to the entire world and you tend to compare don't you yeah. exactly but we've, all, but we've always tended to compare we've always tended to compare you know I compared to school but I compared to what I had access to compare to mm-hmm. and what I had access to compare to as I said was the geezer next, living next door to me or the person there I didn't have access to everybody yeah so it has it, it, it's been microphoned it's been amplified on it and we're still now working out how we deal with that how we manifest that how we process all yeah. of that the, ge- the generation thing's really interesting though isn't mm. it because we did some news recently about um, an age uk campaign yes. saying yeah. that the older generation mm. seem to suffer in silence if you mm. will they don't they don't feel as mm. as easy to come out and tell yeah. people how they're feeling mm. Is that something that you've found? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really interesting because that generation who are it's in their 60s now... Yeah, definitely. You know, you would never talk about it. You would never talk about it. It was never issues that you would talk about. And it just stayed hidden. It's back to this idea that actually everything is, you know, in one big lump. Mental health is just a, an amorphous thing. It isn't these different things. It isn't different there. Um, you know, we have a real issue around loneliness. You know, mm. let's let's be frank about this. You know, we are we are getting older, um, and we are also living alone more. You know, there are more single person households now than anywhere else. So, our loneliness and isolation there. But actually, you got a generation where you didn't ask for help. Or I don't I don't want to be a problem. I don't the combination want to be, of them two. Exactly. Things. I don't want to be a burden. Yet we have a younger generation which actually knows his rights, and that's not meant in any way as patronising, but knows his rights and knows what he can ask for, and actually has been brought up to basically fight for its things. It's been brought up to expect things. It's been brought up to expect the government to do things for it. You know, the, the generation who are ageing at the present moment are a generation who, well, no, no, you, you, you have to sort yourself out. You know, so, you know it's not yeah. state. And so it's a really interesting dichotomy on it. And also that openness, you know, a generation where actually you can talk about things. You can talk about how you feel. You can talk about your weaknesses, you know. I. I hate this whole snowflake, you know, rubbish and stuff. But actually, I think there's a beauty in talking about what upsets you. Yeah, and showing your vulnerability. Exactly. It's about owning that. And that's the only way that actually you can understand how you operate. You can understand that. And then it's about then learning yourself how you manage yourself in the world of that. 
So it's not about that suffering silence. It's actually saying, actually, I know that upsets me, so I'm going to stay away from it. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. that's upset. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being upset with something. We are human. We are this mass of emotions. You know, mass of things going around in our brain. You know, and this goes back to that whole, you know, mental health. Mental health is this, this amorphous thing up here. And it will go up, it will go down, and just owning that. Yeah, and I, I suppose as we sort of get this generational shift, mm. this culture shift almost towards being accepted, normalising all mental health, I suppose then the only other concern that comes across is then actually are we set up with the facilities and the mental health services to do this? And I suppose then it becomes this sort of onus on the government to respond to this and go, hang on, we're dealing with the cultural like aspect of the change, which is perhaps the hardest. Now we need to back that side. And I imagine that filters quite heavily into mind's role. Well, well definitely. Well, that's back to that point of access. Yeah. You know, as we talked to before, this is about making sure the services are there. And the issue we, we you know, the bottom line of it, we haven't got enough people. The number of psychiatrists, the number of mental health nurses, the number of people trained specifically in this is not going up. Mm. It is mainlining. In fact, it is in some places falling. That is our biggest issue. You know, we can we can be we 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 can actually be ambitious about you know more services and more this and more that and that's brilliant. If we don't have the workforce, and that's the issue on it, is actually we need more people to be trained to do this because actually this is becoming more of an issue. And if we want to basically start ring-fencing more money for mental health, we want to start increasing the amount of people um, who are accessing services, if we want to move, because mental health spend is around 26% of NHS spend at the present moment, yeah. between 26 and 23, you know, people will argue over it. I'm sure you'll get messages after saying, no, it's 22.68. <laughs> yeah. You know, it variates, but it's around that 26, 23%. Um, and if we want to increase that, and exactly the same, we will probably need to increase the deal there. We're going to need more people to do it. Yeah. That you know, that is the. We want to talk about mental health crisis. That is the crisis. Yeah. Is actually where is there? So my big plea, you know, to people is go and train a psychiatrist, go and train as a mental health yeah. nurse, go and train as mental health specialist. That's where the jobs are. That's where you know. That's where the need. Is that's where we are falling. That's why basically there are CAMs waiting lists. That's why there are waiting lists for IAPS, all of those things, because there isn't enough specialists for people to see. And it's not something where you can send somebody on a half a day course and go, there you go, there's your badge, you know, well done, you, you know, you're not a trained psychologist, go and enjoy yourself, mate. Um, you know, it, it is a long term training thing, it is a commitment. And we need people with certain aptitudes and you know, go through that in the same way the doctors. You know, so this is, this is why, you know, not getting political, this is why we've had immigration. This is why we've had, you know, because we haven't got enough doctors yeah. as such in this country. Because it takes seven years to train you as a doctor. It takes people who've got, you know, really good grades of doing this. And there's just simply not enough people yeah. with those grades. And as well, training to be a doctor or being a doctor mm. is probably seen as a bit more attractive than being a mental health yes. nurse or, yeah. or professional or anything like mm. that. And that's probably something that needs to change as oh, well. Oh, definitely, definitely. And there's a lot of things about how do we increase the amount of people going into psychology, how do we increase that. And also there's a lot of work that Mind is doing and you know, I'm doing here in Grace in Manchester, but Mind is doing about how we also look at 
how we allow, how we can move people across from working in the voluntary sector, regular mental health. You know, there is a load of work yeah. going around that, that we as mine do, but also there are thousands of other organisations, even just here in Greater Manchester, doing really good work. You know, thousands of people who are doing really brilliant work. How do we then support people to maybe move over and become trained? You know, where are those additional trainings? So there's a lot of talk in there, but that's the bottom line. But, you know, we need more people trained. That's the only way. That's where the investment needs to happen is, the, is in workforce, you know, increasing that workforce. That's the only way that we are going to deal with this. You know, more services are great and wonderful, but actually you're just going to end up with empty rooms. Yeah. Yeah, no, no matter how many uh, nice fancy buildings you build, if you don't have the people to train exactly. it, you're not going to have the issues, uh, the sort of treatment, the access. Definitely. No, and I think sort of, as we, we've come to sort of through all of that, I think that's probably the strongest message we could ever mm. end on, mm. that we've got this access, we've got this change, mm. this is now what we need to do. Yes. Um, so I think from myself as uh, Martin, obviously I'm sure Emily the same, we really appreciate you taking the time to come in for this. It's been fascinating to hear. You can hear the passion in your voice for it and I'm sure our listeners will really sort of pick up on this and respond so well to it. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. No, thank you. It's been, it's been really enjoyable. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Evo North, uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations, and build a stronger northern powerhouse together. Join the chat on social media using the hashtag WeAreNHE, or send us an email via the link on our website. If you enjoyed today's podcast and discussion, don't forget to subscribe or give us a rating on whatever streaming service you're using. Thanks for listening. See you next time.